Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, wherever you're watching or listening, share it out, like it. Uh, we are back with our week seven college football recap. My co-host Brad Miller is back. Uh, we picked uh, some games to watch and talk about. Uh, so we'll go through the we'll go through some topics. We'll go through some of those games. Then we'll discuss who we're going to watch next week. And talk about that. Brad, welcome back. I know you're a busy man. Saving lives. Makes you lose weight. Not saving lives. Feeding some grumpy old veterans, maybe. But we got it done. Making people lose weight. I don't know if I trust you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's we try. We try our best. Not always successful, but it works. Um, All right. Okay, 
All right, guys, I'm making sure my banners work. We all, we all got this. The one person that's watching is probably me on my phone, so don't be too excited. I'm making sure it's working. Okay. All right. Topics. I know one topic I'm going to get out of the way. Lakers did win their championship for the NBA. Yeah. Big old asterisk next to it. There's a new greatest Laker of all time. Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're just in denial at this point. If LeBron wins two or three more championships, you could put him on the Laker Mount Rushmore. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but did Jordan win titles with three separate teams? No, because he didn't run away like a baby. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, well, he did. He did. He ran away for, what was it, a year? Retired. He wanted to play baseball. He didn't want to play baseball. He already accomplished Dude everything. Dude had serious gambling debt. It was like, I had to go play baseball. Do you know how much money he has? I don't think it was debt. I think like the NBA was about to suspend him for doing weird gambling stuff. They know better. And they can't get rid of Michael Jordan. Whatever. So, like, won their championship. Whatever. Okay. This is over because I'm. I can't fucking stand to sit and listen to you talk about LeBron James. You know. You know. It pisses me, pisses me off because you never like acknowledge that he's our generation's greatest player. Now we grew up with Kobe, or at least I did. No. I mean, okay, we both did. LeBron is a better player, all-around player, than Kobe Bryant. All right, guys, here's the deal. I'm going to make Brad take a day off work. I'm going to take a day off work, and we're going to have a three-hour episode of LeBron James because we don't have enough time. Yeah. And it'll anyway, just Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith jerking off in the corner. They're so excited about it. Oh, goodness. All right. So they won their championship. Uh, what is that, 17 the Lakers got? Yeah, they tied the Celtics now. And who knows what will happen if we even have – they're talking about NBA may not come back till January. Well, I mean, they just ended – and we've seen in the past what happens when like guys don't have a decompression off season. Like you want LeBron to get a real serious injury, possibly in his career, come back too early. You know. And at this point, who's selling more tickets, whether you love him or hate him, than LeBron James? But I did see how people were tuning in more to football than the NBA finals. I mean, right. yeah. Because it's the NBA versus the most popular sport in the U.S. Do you see what just happened there? Yeah, guys. See, we're multitasking. We got the Bears game on. We're a bunch of bunch of uh, unprofessionals here, but it's fine. Uh, Bears are getting ready to score. Uh, hopefully, I win my parlays and win six thousand dollars so I can retire. Yeah, one one of these days, one of those long shots will hit. Is can it, I tell what? So we're gonna get to this later. You know what? Two teams screwed me over for winning eight thousand five hundred dollars yesterday. Eight. 
No, I said the under on that. Did you really? I did, just because I didn't know. Texas A&M's all over the place. Mississippi State's all over the place. I said Notre Dame, and then we're going to score at least 60 because they were averaging 20-some and 30-some points a game. They did not. Yeah. And then uh, um, the old Miss one screwed me over. It was rough. So, Wayne Kiffin, you owe me some money. We were we were talking, and I had been out lumberjacking, if you can't tell, all day yesterday, and finally came inside and turned games on. And thank God, I almost took the under on Memphis UCF. And if I would have taken the under – and then watch them score a hundred points. I would have, I would have gotten sick. Well, I was those two games cost me twenty eight thousand some dollars. And if I won that money, I would not be here today. I'd be. <laughs> You'd be retired. I would have quit everything. Yeah, I'm gonna gamble full time now. I would have kept a thousand in my account, withdrew seven thousand, and kept that thousand to gamble. Is what you I would really have taxes on all that, right? Oh, it's like ten percent. I know with Vegas, it's ten percent. They have to keep. Okay, Vegas keeps ten percent, but the federal government takes forty. Well, if I don't claim it, they don't know. <laughs> they know because it's connected to your bank account. So, which which, which bank account are we talking about? Oh, the offshores one that uh, no one knows about. Because us, te- us educators make a lot of money. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Who said something nasty about Trevor Lawrence's mother before that game? I don't know. That was one of the topics I was talking about. Who pissed off Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney? I think, well, he had some, like, crazy streak going without an interception, right? And they picked him off. And I think that was like, okay, now we're going to hang 70 on you. And you're just going to have to walk away from the game of football forever. So, I love Georgia Tech when Paul Johnson was there when they ran their triple option. And I'm not saying that's my offense, but I love Paul Johnson because he didn't have a play sheet. He was just like, oh, I'm going to call this. And Georgia Tech kind of ran him out, but they forget how good he was there. And then what pissed me off was when they came out in their spring game, lined up in the triple option formation, Winky, and then they were like, oh, we're just kidding, and went to spread. I was like, this is karma. Yeah. And I said this on social media earlier. Someone posted it. I said, no, I love that it was the way it was. But I don't even think Paul Johnson would have beat this Clemson team. No, I don't think anyone's going to come close to touching Clemson till the uh, playoff. Until the ultimate Bama-Clemson showdown again. Unfortunately, it looks that way. Which, okay, I think we both agree that, like, I hated – the BCS before. Mm-hmm. And you did too, right? Right. I think everyone did. It was a bad system. At least with the BCS, there was like something to argue about. 
But I'm getting really sick of seeing like the same four teams in the playoff. Like the only one I don't like being in there year and year out is Oklahoma because they do not just do anything. Right. Um, it's really hard for people to sit there um, and say Bama shouldn't be there, Clemson. Well, right. they should. They should be there every year because they're the two best programs in the nation. People are just getting sick and tired of SEC dominating it. But it's fairly hard to argue because that one year with Alabama and Georgia, you can't sit there and tell me Georgia wasn't one of the top best teams in the country. Yeah. So it's really hard to argue that. So that's well, why I, I almost think we should do, I think, like um, FCS level. And how many teams do they put in? You get like 60-some maybe, but you play less regular season games. You play like nine or ten regular season games, and then you do the playoffs. But then their playoffs is you travel, kind of like high school, you know, where we travel yeah. to – that's what they did. That's what exactly what they do. Yes, uh, you have the right to have a home playoff game. Right. Can you imagine what a home playoff game would look like in Tos- Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Right, but it's all about the money. That's why they don't do it. Because these bowl games, even though they're stupid, like Illinois is the Red Box Bowl. Like, Bears are up 7 nothing as we speak. Dude, um, uh, okay. My phone's behind. Um, so is mine, but our good friend everything, Nathan. Everything Nick Foles does gives me a heart attack. Everything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which heart attack is worse, him or Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know which. Oh, Mitch is worse. Um, he he looks con- like there's a difference between being incompetent and confident, and Mitch, who was incompetent and had no confidence in himself. Right. And like that throw shouldn't have done that. It worked. They did. Right. I don't know. But um, I think. They should do what that – see, it's all about the money, though. They want to play their 12 games, make their money. They want to have a uh, conference championship game, make their money. Then they want to have the bowl games and the playoff. I think if – you can't tell me they cannot scale it back to nine or ten games, have some type of playoff. And I and there's two ways you can go about it. You can go about home playoff games and try to keep in a – Region where you're not traveling, to have your bowl games be like the playoff round. You know, already we already do that. It's like, oh, the Rose Bowl is that first place, and then Orange yeah. Bowl is whatever. Why can't those bowl games be your playoff? Like, oh, round one is, I don't know, the Capital One or this, this, or that. And just there's a way to do it. I and think, like, what if I think you hit the nail on the head, but I think the thing that will keep that from happening is like. Think about how much money these universities make off their home regular season games. Yeah. Like, they're not going to give up games just to have a better playoff format, you know. But uh, I, I also think it's hard that, like, I don't have a team. Like, I like the Oregon, Oregon Ducks. But other than them, I don't care about another school out west. 
I hating them. Um, like I said, I followed Washington State because of Mike Leach, and so I still might follow them, but it won't be like that. Like, so I agree out west, I don't care enough. Yeah. Ever since USC has been down, I don't care. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm not, I don't care if the Pac 12 comes back. I really don't. That's the thing. Like, I'm not looking for, and like I said, I'm an Oregon Ducks fan, and I don't care. Whether or not I, they play. I, I care just because I want to watch more football, but then at the end of the day, and then it, and then it, here's another topic too. We can talk about Big Ten's coming back Friday, um, Illinois versus Wisconsin. Um, they do not give themselves much wiggle room to make it into the football playoff picture. And I listened to this on the Pat McAfee show when he said this. Look how many games, and this is a topic. How many games are getting rescheduled because of COVID? But that's because they have time since they started right when they wanted to. Um, Big Ten, do you have time? You, I don't know if you have any wiggle room if you want to make it to the football playoffs. Yeah, and the Big Ten handled it wrong, I think. I know what they're thinking, but again, I said this about other states. What did the SEC know and ACC know that the Big Ten didn't know? Instead of Big Ten shutting it down, they should have just said, We're going to delay it, allow the kids to practice. So then that way, when they want to come back, they could do it a snap of a finger. Since you shut yeah. it down, you had to give the team three weeks to get ready. They handled it wrong. They tried to play hide and seek. I heard a guy say hide and seek, and they tried to see who was going to follow them. Now, here's the other thing, though. I think the Big Ten could have a huge bonus to playing fewer games. Like, if they have Ohio State go undefeated, they now are probably a lot less gassed than the SEC guys that had to go through their slaughterhouse of an all-this-SEC schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then... You just have to say... Then we're going to start having these arguments like we used to back before the playoff. Does a 9-1 Georgia team... If Ohio State gets in an 8-0 over a 9-1 Georgia team for some reason. That's bullshit. Or even an 8-2 Georgia. Let's say Georgia. I don't know who Georgia's going to lose to in the SEC after Alabama because LSU. I thought it was going to be LSU, but they suck now. They're bad. Um, oh, burns um, down. They're probably not that bad. But. No, they don't suck. They're just young and inexperienced. Yeah. But – I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. If Ohio State goes undefeated, that's what's going to happen. But here's my question: And now, BYU. I don't know how many games they're going to play, but let's say BYU is nine and zero, and then Ohio State's nine and zero. Who gets in? Ohio State. Okay, but then you got a nine and one Georgia, nine and zero, but BYU. Who gets in? Uh, I would say BYU because they're undefeated, but then they're going to say, well, Georgia lost to the number one team in the nation in Alabama. Alabama number one team in the nation. But I mean, the top one or top offense in the league, Alabama. Yeah. So Admittedly, they got their asses spanked in the same. We're going to talk about this later in the show. 
But All right, uh, do you just want to go to that right now? Because well, I kinda... uh, yeah, and then I already said Big Ten's coming back. Looking forward to Big Ten football. I never thought I would say that. Mm-hmm. Usually looking forward to basketball for the Big Ten, but now it's football. Um, I'm going to root for my Illini, and then another team I kind of want to root for is Michigan. But I just want I want them to be Ohio State. Can they be Ohio State once? Just one. I, I, yeah, I want to see it. I I miss like I feel like a lot of rivalries recently have become real lopsided. You know, except for the SEC. Like SEC rivalries live up, but a lot of the Big Ten stuff just recently hasn't been that great. Nope. Need Jim Harbaugh to go in there and I don't know, kick Ohio State out of the state of Michigan. Like, it'd just yep. be sweet. All right. So I always say we're going to go about an hour. Now we're 18 minutes in. So we're going to get right into it. So, Brad, I'm a, I, I forgot to tell you what order we're going in, but you'll figure it out. So here we go. I'm just going to go in order of the game. So Friday night, BYU played Houston. Um, BYU looks good. I know it's a close game uh, up until the second half. Houston hasn't played as many games. I think it's Houston's second game. Hey, we had a viewer come in and leave. Thank you for joining us and then leaving right when it happened. Uh, it might have been me again. Who knows? Uh, Nathan West has texted me. If he's not watching, text me at the same time. I'm going to have an argument with you later. Um, BYU ended up winning the game. What was it? 43-26. Uh, Houston was dom- not dominating, but they were ahead in the first half and then Fourth quarter, BYU scores 22 points, and Houston doesn't score again. Uh, so what do you think about this BYU team? Are they playoff bound if they continue to play this way? So that's what – I think they're, like, on the edge of being in contention to make to the playoff. They're definitely a team that has a case that, like, hey, we need more than four teams in the playoffs. Because I think BYU at their peak may not be able to beat Bama, maybe would beat Alabama once out of every eight, ten tries. But that's a game I want to see. I want to see them play, you know, and we're not going to get any of that this year, which stinks. Um, Did you see the onside kick? I did. That was one of the most like well executed onside kicks I've ever seen. Well, this BYU team, I, I need to find the stats so no one quote me on it. I don't think they get a lot of uh, this last game they did. They had nine penalties, but realistically, up besides the penalties, they're a pretty disciplined team. They, yeah. they play hard. They're very disciplined in that aspect. Now the penalties, the targeting. I know one of the players had a targeting penalty before, which the targeting penalty is getting ridiculous. Like it's a lot. That's what I said last week. It's it's hard to watch because you see these guys making good plays and they're getting kicked out of games for it. Um, but I'm gonna read you off BYU's schedule. See, their schedule doesn't stack up to SEC because their schedule got it blown up due to COVID because they're independent or Ooh. they're trying to play. Yeah. Um they were supposed to play Army, but it got postponed. So I think they still are gonna play Army at some point. That would be a Big game. They have to play Texas State this week, which I'm a Texas State fan now, but 
Texas State is not going to beat BYU. I'm sorry. No. Um, they're going to play them tough. Don't get me wrong. Texas State's going to make it interesting, but BYU is going to win. Then they play Western Kentucky, which Western Kentucky is Western Kentucky. Then they play Boise, which I think will be a good game. Then they play UNA. Then they play San Diego State. Um, if that's the right schedule, I know it changes all the time, so I can look at it tomorrow and it's going to change on me. But they don't have a huge tough schedule. But if I think yeah. if they when they play Army, if they beat Army by twenty some points, I think that kind of shows. But the question is, like, that's their premier win at that point, right? But yeah, but their quarterback's good. Um, he has one thousand six hundred forty-one yards this year. He has twelve touchdowns, only one interception. He is a junior. He's 107 for 136, 78.7%, and he averages 12.1 yards per pass attempt. Now, what scared me with this BYU-Houston game, he was their leading rusher with 40 yards this game. So what scares me is if you're depending on him and you're going to go play Georgia, let's say they play Georgia the first round, it ain't going to work. So if they get the run game going, they're pretty good. Their defense, it kept changing. I was trying to watch their defense. They're usually a 3-4, 3-3. It's kind of what they stuck to. But Houston was tearing them apart the first, after that second quarter, and they jumped to a four-man defense. I'm like, that's not what you do. And it continued to happen. They were trying to figure it out. And then that fourth quarter, they said, screw it. We're going to stay that 3-4, that 3-5, mm-hmm. and just see what happens. And it worked. It worked. So we think Houston. Houston imploded. I mean, <laughs> I like Houston. I like Dana Holgerson, but they imploded on themselves. Like, they they should have won that game. They had every right to have won that game. But then, like, we were talking about this before we went live. They punted the ball for 10 yards at one point. Like, they started to make mistakes. And then you have that onside kick that the guys on the front line of their kick return just looked lost, didn't run to the ball. Like, I don't know. It was It's hard to watch, and there was a lot of it this weekend, teams that start really well and then melt down. Yeah, I mean, and then not trying to make excuses, Houston has not been able to play Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Um, this was our second game, but I mean, 
in two games, they average 37.5 yards or points a game. Um, they have 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, it's, they're on a good start, but that second half, they did kind of forgot who they were. I still don't know why Holgerson went there. He was at West Virginia in a bigger conference, they and he kind of left. They, I think West Virginia tried to get rid of him. Um, would you do that if you're West Virginia? Like, you have a guy that is from the Mike Leach coaching tree, played and coached with him, but he took his offense. State. We'll, we'll get there, but well, Dan Holgerson and Lincoln Riley just took that air raid and said, let's incorporate, let's get rid of some of the concepts and run some run plays instead and do this up-tempo RPO stuff. And, and I mean, the first half they looked really good. But I also think but BYU, I think it's because of the games. If, if Houston had played just as many games, it would have been a closer game, but BYU was more conditioned. So I don't know. I can see that, especially towards the end of the game. Those guys look gassed. They did, and it's because they run that up-tempo stuff, which is great. But your second game with not a spring ball, not a summer, yeah, yeah you've you've had four games where they were postponed on you, but that's not the same as playing. And you're playing a BYU team that, like we just said a million times, they're on a mission to say we're going to try to make the college football playoff. And they might be that team that Boise tried to be a few years ago, that UCF has tried to be. And maybe they'll finally get it. Um, I don't know. The the my big takeaway about BYU is two things: their quarterback Zach Wilson, dude's a man, like stud, runs, throws, everything. Their wide receivers at one point, like I think I could have thrown for two hundred yards. Like he was just throwing jump balls. And their wide receivers looked five inches taller than every defensive back around them. Like, (laughs) that's the thing that I think would make them competitive, even with an SEC school. They do have some real athletes, which you don't always see in some of these, not lesser college programs, but smaller schools. So, all right. Yeah, I'm promoting this as we speak. I have to be the marketer. Next one, Kentucky and Tennessee. This did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Um, Kentucky comes out and wins 34-7. to <laughs> And I tweeted this out. I said, is Kentucky that good or is Tennessee that bad? And so I wrote down here, is Tennessee overrated? And I think they are. Now, that being said, if your starting quarterback, who you were just talking about with BYU, if you depend on your starting quarterback for almost all of your offense, and then he throws two pick sixes, you're back. Like, your team's going to just roll over at that point, right? Yeah, um... 14 of 21 for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Like two interceptions. You mean? 
What'd I say? Two touchdowns. Or two interceptions. So, I mean, I was watching that game because, we, like I said, it was one of the first games on. So, it was the only one on I was watching. There were ten, I will say this. Tennessee's run game looked good. There was times where they were running the ball, and it just looked fantastic. Um, yeah. They imposed their will with their offensive line. They were doing a lot of motions, a lot of uh, wingback setups to run the ball. Then they were like, oh, let's do a short passing route. And this guy just could not read the defense for some reason. And then what he got benched in the second quarter, brought in the other quarterback, and then brought him back in. Well, they put in the other quarterback, and on his first pass, he threw an interception. See that? We talked about it last time with Oklahoma when they benched Rattler. And I said I loved it because it kind of showed, hey, we're not afraid to bench you. But in this case, I kind of liked it too. At the the beginning, I said, okay, I would take him out too. If if you're Tennessee, who's supposed to do something good. But if you're going to do that, don't, I don't know. I liked it in Oklahoma. Then I also don't. I'm always like, if you do that, might as well just keep the guy in. Because you're like, you know what? Live with it. thing, like, to put the other guy in for one series, mm-hmm. like, to me, it's got to be like a quarter. We're going to sit you down. You're going to watch the second quarter, and then you can come back in and try to get your head straight. But I think Tennessee might have won the game if they got to have those two interceptions because they're running back um, great. He had 128 yards of rushing. Okay, that being said, though, like, Kentucky was flying around the field. Right, but if it wasn't for their defense, their offense was not anything special. No. 107 yards passing and 187 on the ground. Which, yeah, I don't know. But Kentucky's defense won them that game, which – I wouldn't have expected, and I don't think you were expecting either. But, again, I think Kentucky's probably the hardest school in the SEC to understand. Because I'll watch them one week, and they look great. Well, not great, but they look very competent. And then the next week, I don't know if they're like they're still at the same level and it's just their opponents are hot or cold. But I every time I think Kentucky's going to do something, they go the other direction with it. Um, and their quarterback doesn't he? Uh, what's his name? Wilson or yeah? Or uh, he's so inconsistent. There's a couple guys. He's good at the short pass game, and then they get to the red zone, and they just can't score. So they're lucky they had the interceptions. Tennessee ha- may have a quarterback problem. Because it was the I second think, half of Georgia. Second half of Georgia killed Tennessee, and now this happens. So do you think it a uh, case can be made that this week is a little excusable for Tennessee because they're still kind of licking their wounds from getting their ass whipped by Georgia? I would say if it was Pruitt's first year, yes. Since it's not, you have no more – I know you're getting recruits in. I know this is happening. You're a Nick Saban coaching tree, so I don't know if you have enough room for that. It's the SEC. Now, if this was the Big Ten or the Big 12, maybe. It's the SEC where – and it's Tennessee. Tennessee has a rich program from years ago. 
and you're trying to get back to that point. And if you're not doing it, no. And and my argument to that is, yeah, we just got our butt kicked by Georgia. We should impose our will on Kentucky and say, this is what we are. So I don't care if you're looking your wounds or not. You should say, well, we're going to go beat Kentucky. I think they overlook Kentucky is kind of what happened. I I think that's – who do they play next week? I'll tell you. You can talk. I'll tell you. Okay, because I, I like that idea that, you know, we just went into this big-name football game, played well for parts of it. Well, they play Alabama. Okay. What? They play Alabama. That's what they were looking at. Uh, yeah. That is I, – I agree with you. They're probably looking forward to Alabama and forgot about Kentucky. Because if I was Pruitt, I would say, okay, we just got beat by Georgia where we – Georgia's good, but we kind of did it to ourselves. They did. They just weren't doing things. Now, Georgia's going to win regardless, but Tennessee could have made it closer. If I was the head coach, I'm not saying I'm better than Pruitt. He knows more football and forgot more football than I'm ever going to know. But I would have went in and said, we need to impose our will on Kentucky. I don't care if we went by seven or three. If we beat them to death where they can't walk after the game, then we get ready for Alabama because now you think you had to lick your wounds from Georgia. Alabama's still bad from going to play Michigan in a bowl game last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have an offense that's scoring 40, 50 points a game. I don't know if Alabama's ever done that. And it's not going to slow down. Like, I would be interested to see if Alabama hangs 40, 50 points on Tennessee next week. And I'm not saying that these are the best receivers. We'll get to Alabama here in a second. But these are not the best receivers Alabama's ever had. But I think this is the best wide receivers together that Nick Saban's ever had. It's like group speed. Right. They ha- And it's big plays. Mm-hmm. And that and Jones is mad of how he played last year and how it finished, and he took it serious. And it's like okay, because I think he probably thought Tua was coming back at some point. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Now he's like, this is mine. Also, we're doing that thing again where we're talking about another game that we're going to talk about. Because I'm avoiding the next one because <laughs> it, the next one we're going to go through in like three yeah. minutes. Let's go. Louisville and Notre Dame. Now, guys, this was a audible. We originally wanted the Florida LSU game. And that was one of the topics. Florida, was it 20 COVID tests or something? Yeah. Dan Mullen has it too now. Um, they had to postpone the LSU Florida game till December, I think. So I had to text Brad. I was like, all right, who should we watch? And we thought this. I thought this could be a, because uh, I bet on this game, at least 60 points combined. I thought at least they would each score 30. Just because LSU has some speed, they were averaging, they're only averaging almost close to 38. Game. Day. Boring. It, it was probably the most boring game I've ever watched in my life. Uh, and I've played in some boring games. And I think I would have rather watched. Oakwood triple option football then sit through this again. Uh, there are a couple things that I want to know your opinion on. So 
Is there the chance that Notre Dame's ranked lower next week because of this game? No, because Georgia lost. But they should. They should. They should have to, like, at a certain point, there, I feel like there are times where, like, Georgia's loss is excusable. Playing a game this close with Louisville when you're ranked fourth in the nation is not excusable. And I don't know what caused it, but this was bad. And okay. What did you think of Louisville going for an onside kick in the third quarter when you are still up a point? I liked it because you're deep. I mean, I don't know. I like it because you're trying to catch them off guard. They almost had it. If that guy – what a dumb rule. See, back in the day, I'm trying to remember, I think you could go hit the guy and your guy could go get the ball. But since they yeah, – You can't now. Yeah, and I thought that was stupid because as the guy getting the ball, you could go get it beyond 10 yards. So yeah. to counter that, you should be able to go hit them to let the ball get to 10 yards. Now, I know it's dangerous, but that's why in practice you you have a guy – that's why your middle guys and your front five are closer together because if that were to happen, the rule is one guy goes to hit the guy, the guy comes in behind him, get the ball. Mm-hmm. We practice that in high school. So why aren't you practicing that in college? You guys make way more money than I do, but I understand that concept. Yeah. Admittedly, this is one of those, like, I would have loved it if it worked. But when it doesn't work, you just gave Notre Dame their best field position of the game. Well. I don't know what was going on with Notre Dame. Now, I know that Ian Book's not the greatest passer of all time. He's a runner. But his stats from the game was 11 for 19 for 106 yards. So they did not pass it much. They came in and said, we're going to bring three tight ends, two tight ends, a fullback, and run the ball. Are they doing that because they don't have athletes? Because I know they've got some athletes. Oh, they or, do. I mean, they looked physically way bigger than Louisville did. Or I thought of this this morning. Are they trying not to show much on film so Clemson later on down the road doesn't have anything on them besides, hey, they're going to run their quarterback and just run with three tight ends because they ran the same thing over and over and over again. That's ballsy. Like, you about dropped a game because of it, and you shouldn't do that shit again. I mean, my my biggest thing is, like, you should always win the – you should use what you have to win the game you're playing right now. You don't worry about Clemson, whatever. When do they even play? I don't know. I know that's probably going to be the ACC 
championship right there of whoever. But also if you lose to Louisville, like it doesn't matter. So go win the game in front of you and worry about that and not what the hell Clemson's doing or what they will and won't know. And if you're in college at the University of Notre Dame and your playbook isn't big enough that like, oh yeah, we can't show a version of something against Louisville because we're afraid to take it back out of the hat against Clemson. Like you need to fire your offensive coordinator. There's also rumors that Kelly, Kelly's looking at the NFL. I don't know if it's a head coach or like going to the NFL. Who the hell would want him? He's got some ties. There's a lot of rumors. Nothing at Notre Dame. It's not what you, it's not what you know. It's who you know. Congratulations! Like, and then, and then coaching the Bears, and I'll kill myself. And then Herbert Meyer's going to go to Notre Dame. That would be fun. He will. He said he wants to coach at Ohio State or Michigan, and he ends up at Ohio State yeah. and Notre Dame. That was one of the places. But I wanted him to go to USC. He might because of on his show. He's got Reggie Bush around him. and Yeah. Well, okay. Can we take a second to talk about how great that college football show is? Mm-hmm. With Urban Meyer, Reggie Bush, Matt Weiner, and uh, what's his name? Notre Dame quarterback. Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. Like – not only is it like the best looking group of dudes, but it's fun to watch them like talk about football. Cause for me, at least that was the group of guys that made me fall in love with football. Yeah. When we used to play in double a Brady Quinn was a quarterback for Notre Dame all those years ago. Yeah. Um, that USC teams were nasty. Um, and both those guys played in probably still the greatest college football game of all time, national championship, and lost to Vince Young, which is crazy because, like, I don't think I could name another member of that Texas team. Yeah, I don't – it was right after him where I could start naming guys. Yeah, when Colt McCoy came in. And Brian right. Arakbo was on defense. Yeah. Like, and I, uh, Shipley, Shipley, who Shipley, was, he was there for like eight years. He was a six-year senior. He was that. He looked slow, but when he got yeah. the ball, man, he was fat. He looked slow, and then once he was in open space, I was like, he's a fast white guy. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Notre Dame plays Pittsburgh next, Georgia Tech, and then Clemson. So they don't play them till November seventh. I don't know. It's just a thought because I'm the type of yes, yeah, and so I don't know. It's just like Notre Dame was very stagnant and it just ran the same thing over and over. So maybe that's who they are this year, and that, that could be the truth. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Did but you the way, deserve to be the number four team in the nation? No, I don't think so either. But. I don't know. Um, that was just a thought I had. Of are you waiting till Clemson? But I'm the see, and you, you you said it perfectly. See me, I'm the type of coach. I'll hand the other team my playbook, and I said, but you got to stop me. Yeah, like, you would think that's how Notre Dame would be. Like if Urban Meyer was there, that's what it would be like. 
Because like, everyone knows what Urban Meyer runs. Now, if Notre Dame was just running the football and every single play they got 10 yards and they scored 40 points, yes, run the same thing over and over. But when you're running over and over and you only score 12 points or whatever it was, like, good, good. And LSU or Louisville is not that good. They have some speed, but they're not the yeah. best and you let them hang around. Here's the, here's the problem. Like, we've been talking on the show this whole time about what do you do with a one-loss Georgia team, okay? If you're a team like Notre Dame that doesn't have as strong a schedule as those SEC guys and you know you have to play the best team in the nation in Clemson late in the year, blow these teams out of the water. Like, do you remember a couple years ago when, like, uh, who was it? Somebody in the SEC lost. No, it was Texas. No, uh, I'll figure this out. Oklahoma lost and then put a string of games together where they scored like 60 and 70 points a game. Yeah, uh, I can't remember if that was Baker Mayfield or Kyle Murray. It was one of the two. Or is this? No, no, no. no. It was before Mayfield. It was. um, Was it Bradford? After Bradford. Oh, he played for in the XFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But they just – they lost a game they shouldn't have. Or not, it, it was like a good loss, but it was a loss. And they just strung together like 60-point games on this FU tour that's like, hey, don't forget, we're still a really good football team. So to me, it's stupid to say, hey, we still beat Louisville, but you looked like shit. And you didn't look like the number four team in the nation. No, and 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 then we'll move on because we did this one longer than I thought. But it's more of us complaining. Like Notre Dame has the capability to score forty points against Louisville. So is it because Notre Dame's offense was that bad, or is Louisville? I think Louisville's defense came and stepped up. Don't get me wrong, but Notre Dame should have said, "We're Notre Dame. We're they're huge. Their offensive line has to be two hundred eighty-five, three hundred and ten pounds." Oh, yeah, they're big boys. And their tight ends are like 250, 60 pounds, like, and they're fast. And you have Ian Book. And here's my thing as a coach. You have a quarterback that can run. RPO them then because now he have a threat of a runner, and they're going to yeah. be focused on him. Yeah, RPO and sneak your tight end out. Like, I don't get it. So I part of me thinks they're waiting for Clemson or something, but that's pretty, like you said, it's pretty ballsy because if you lost this game, or are they trying to say it's COVID year? But if it's COVID year, you think you'd open up the playbook. All right, here's the one that you're waiting on, and it's going to make me cry, and I'm going to get pretty heated. Mississippi State versus Texas A&M. You can go first. Because we're 47 minutes in. We're almost done, but you can go first. Decide how I want to go after your hopes and dreams on this. I took some notes. All of this is not on Costello. It's not. And I know you want to blame it all on him. No, the, rest of, the rest of that team is not good. Well, I'll get to that. It's not all on him. But I, we'll get to it. I'll get to my spot. Okay. Costello is one of those guys I feel like can look really good. He can also look really bad. And you got bad Costello again. And you've been on a string of bad Costello, which sucks. And I'm sorry. Um, we were talking about 
BYU getting into the playoff. Is Texas A&M going to get in? You know what? It's funny you say that. Again, the guys, we take notes on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. This morning I went to the gym on the elliptical, and I, and I think about what we're going to say. And I thought of that. I say no. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Because I don't know if they're going to – they're not going to win the rest of their games. So if they are sitting there at two losses, they're not getting it. It's just not going to happen. You don't think Texas A&M could win the rest of their games? I don't see them winning the rest of the games. Just because it's Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, who I think is one of the most overpaid coaches. You, you think, like, it's that team that has stink on it, and it's like, okay, you're going to screw this up somehow. Kind of like Michigan. Michigan right. that team that like I know you're talented, but you you have head lice. Like get away from me. You so before I mean? before you continue on to what you're gonna say, their schedule and is uh they don't play again until Halloween. And they play Arkansas, who we can talk about Arkansas in a second. Goodness gracious. Like what a big turn for Arkansas. Yeah, the first week. I was like, Arkansas looks good. I just want to remind people of that. But like you said, they have that stink on them where they want to, didn't win an SEC game for 10, 15 years. <laughs> Way too long. Way too long. But um, Pittman, right, is that – that's the head coach. He's a good guy. I've heard good things. And he changed – and it's the offense too. Like – but anyway, so they don't play – so Texas A&M doesn't play again until Halloween. They play Arkansas. They could lose to Arkansas. It could happen. Then they play South Carolina, who who just beat Auburn. Yeah. Then they play Tennessee, who Tennessee's Tennessee. Then they play Old Miss. Then they play LSU. Then they play Auburn. One of those games they're going to slip up, I think. Well, here's my question then. If Texas A&M has one loss, Georgia has one loss, Clemson's undefeated, um, Alabama's undefeated. Is that your playoff right there? What if, no, what if Ohio State's going to come out of the Big Ten undefeated? So then, again, that comes back to Texas A&M. Let's say they're 9-1. So, okay, then let's do this. If you, today you had to pick one team, Georgia or Texas A&M, to fill out the fourth spot. Georgia. Georgia. I've hate Texas A&M. I don't – I think their ceiling is higher than Georgia, 
because they actually have a passing game. Georgia has a decent passing game. Then what happened to – we're going to talk about this. Because it's Alabama. But (laughs) I think the ceiling for Texas A&M is just higher. Their defense isn't as good as Georgia, but I think, like, in my head it's the same way that I'm kind of okay with OU, like, making the playoff consistently. Like, when they made it with Baker Mayfield, in my head I'm like, okay, if Baker has a crazy run, they could make – they could win. Right? Like, Texas A&M has that higher level on top that I think – makes them more playoff worthy than Georgia. Georgia, great football team. I think we saw them max out last night, but we'll talk about that later. Um, no, I don't see Texas A&M making the playoffs. They're going to slip up and not get in. Oh, I'm not saying that I think they will, but I'm saying if they were to win out, I think they should be in the playoff. They'll be in the conversation, but they won't. They just—it's hard to sit there and say Texas A&M with one loss and Ohio State with no losses. If BYU blows out the rest of their schedule, it says it's COVID year. Do you just say screw it? Let's put BYU in and see what happens. Yeah, because you already lost some money anyway from only playing nine or ten regular season games. Might as well just say screw it. We're going to put them in and see what happens. Um, but anyway, go ahead with your Mississippi State, Texas A&M. I, that's really all I had. I wasn't going to be very mean to you. Can I be mean? One. Can I be uh, mean? Can I, give me a second, sir. I'm talking. Um, I will say Texas A&M is built for this. Texas A&M is built to deal with the Mike Leach passing attack. Because they're still, we talked about this before, they're still kind of a Big 12 team. And that's where I'll end it. So it's not all on Costello. Well, let, let me rephrase this. Up until this week, there was times where it was on him. I watched the reads, and he was not throwing good balls. So there was times where it is on him. Yesterday, some of it was on him. That offensive line... Like, there was times I watched them pass block, and the one guy be like, because when you see pass protection when we play at Oakwood is way different than what it should have been. No offense to anybody. Yeah. When you, there's half sliding, there's four man sliding, there's big on big. Mike Leach loves, he was the offensive line coach when he first started coaching. He does big on big. But then there's times where you have to slide, and it's either three-man slide or four-man slide. I watched so many times where on a slide, it was the guard, the center. They would look. You have to have your head on a swivel. So when you slide, you slide this way. But if you know there's pressure, you have to be able to go back So yeah. or whatever. There were so many times where they slid this way and looked. Then they come back, and then they see a guy, and they're like, wait a minute. I want to go back and touch nobody. And three men would get through. And I'm like, that's embarrassing. And – so that offensive line, I, so when Mike Leach gets the type of offensive lineman he wants, when he starts getting, because his wide receivers are, it's, this is the best starting Mike Leach team he's had from a Texas Tech or a Washington State. But what sucks is you're in the SEC with it. If this team was in the Pac-12 at Washington State, he would win more. 
Texas Tech, he won right away because he was coming in with an offense that fit the Big 12, so it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so offensive line's got to shape up. But then he took out Costello and kind of just said he had enough and kind of put in their other quarterback. Can I tell you that his mechanics look better than Costello? Yeah. Not saying this is your answer, but the future is bright if you can develop this kid. He's got a better looking mechanics of throwing the football. Costello's got a really weird delivery. It it almost it's like watching a left-handed quarterback. It makes me like a little physically uncomfortable to watch him throw the ball. Right. And then I blame the offensive line, but then where some people might say, is it the offensive line or quarterback? It was the offensive line. But then all of a sudden, so here's the numbers. If you just go by numbers, which I hate, I love going by numbers, but I love to watch the film. Film talks more. Costello was 15 of 22 for 99 yards. He only averaged 4.5 yards of completion with one interception. His QBR was 14.4. Rodgers comes in 15 of 18, 120 yards, 6.7 yards of completion at one touchdown. In a short amount of time. It was the Nick Foles effect. When Nick Foles came in for the Atlanta Falcons, boom, boom, boom. This kid comes in, boom, boom, boom. So I don't know if that's your answer. I won't be – but Mike Leach came out last night and this morning. Quarterback is being reevaluated. It should be. So I think he's had enough. And I would not be surprised if you see – his first name's Will. If Will starts. And the wide receiver for Carolina Panthers just was killed. <laughs> Dead. So okay. so can we stick a fork in Mississippi State? They're just D-U-N, done? I think they're not defined done. Like, Well, like they were never going to compete this year. But I think at this point they're just not interesting anymore. Now, going into the season, I thought they would compete, but it depends on your definition of compete. What's happening now is not what I thought, if that makes sense. Yes. Now, is Mississippi State de- is Mississippi State's defense underrated? Their defense is not too bad. They're just put into tough situations. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think Mississippi State will probably do something crazy at some point in the rest of the SEC schedule. Like they'll knock somebody off they shouldn't. But as of right now, until I see that other quarterback play some more, I I could care less about Mississippi State, which stinks. I think they, they had the chance to be a really fun football team. I will continue to watch them regardless of the teams that we're going to watch. And if I hear ever again that Mike Lucci changes offense, I'm going to come to somebody's house. And because so I was Coach Mackey, shout out to Coach Mackey. He has a YouTube channel that does a lot of offense. He loves throwing the football. He loves how mummy's offense, like the how mummy way of doing things. He did a YouTube live the other night with, um, uh, a court, the guy who runs a quarterback school, and I got in a little debate with a guy on the YouTube chat because he was talking about 
it's time for Mike Leach to adapt to what Lincoln Riley does and do GT counter and do RPOs. Yeah. And I, and I commented, I said, that offense is sexy. Don't get me wrong. That's not who Mike Leach is. He thinks this is what the way Mike Leach goes about this. If, if Mike Leach one day says, okay, I want to run power more. Now he does a little bit, or let's just say GT counter. Like, I want to run GT counter. In his mind, he's going to say, what passing play or two am I going to take out of my playbook? He does not want to add things. He wants to rep, rep, rep. Yeah. And I like that way of thinking, but some people are like, oh, it's easy. Just just put it in. And for my time coaching, when I was offense coordinator, I won't say the school because I don't want to get into that argument, but when I was offense coordinator, that wasn't the talk. That was, we're going to have six run plays. And that was it. And we're going to, I kid you not, we had six run plays and probably 15 to 20 passing concepts. And I think you watched me, I was signaling like crazy. I, I, it was so bad. And if, so if I ever hear Mike Leach stuff again, I'm going to flip. Leave him alone. I like his way of thinking. I, I get it. Like a part of me is like, yes, he needs to run the ball more. But that's not what he thinks. So if that's yeah. not the way he thinks, and he's had success, see, that's the thing. He's had success. Now all of a sudden, he's in the SEC and it's his first year. They want to start talking. And I'm like, just leave. And I will say this. If I ever meet Hal Mummy, I'll flip out. Because Hal Mummy's a like, somebody said this. It's not me. Somebody else said this. And you got to think about this. Who's had more Division One head coaching success? Mike Leach or Hal Mummy? Probably Hal Mummy, right? Nope. Mike Leach, huh? Bigger time programs. Like, oh, the only yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time head coaching job was Hal Mummy with Kentucky in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach has had Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State. So, whose way of doing the air raid works more? Has been Mike Leach. Because they're not the. One day I'll have to show you all the passing plays of the air raid and compare them to Hal Mummy. A lot are the same, but Mike Leach has tweaked them. Yeah. Because it's the quarterback. Like he wants the quarterback to read things. How Mummy's way is you're throwing here because I said so. Yeah. Mike Leach's way is I want the quarterback to read the defense because we're not out there to see it. But the problem is like the How Mummy way would probably be better with Costello. Right. I said this. I, you're, I agree. If you're installing it, you might want to do How Mummy's way first to say you're throwing here because I said so. Yeah. And then after a Luke Folk type of quarterback that was in the system for two or three years. Now you could say, okay, we run mesh. It's one, two, three, get rid of the ball. Like read here, read here, read here. Yeah. Um, because we got to remember Costello came from Stanford that runs a board this long of pro style plays. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, they're going to be fine. I think here in two years, you give them two or three more years, you're going to see – it, them compete, but but what's you know what's scary? Old Miss will too. That's the other scary part. Yeah, the right. state of Mississippi is going to be fun in like two years, and then we'll see. I don't know Auburn. I want to talk about one day because they're that they should be good anyway. Roll Tide.
our last one. Bama versus Georgia. I don't even have to take notes on that one. I'll let you start. So, okay, I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Nick Saban got tested positive with COVID-19. And it wasn't karma, but I remember watching the game last week, and you and I were talking about the mask. Did you see him right after he shook hands last week? He took the mask off around everybody. I'm like, that does that defeats the, the purpose of wearing it. Just because you wore it during the game. The moment the game's over, you don't take it off. Yeah. And then he got it. And I was like, I didn't want him to get it. I don't want that to be karma because he's, what, 68 or 67 yeah, years old? There. Yeah. Now so, he's healthy. He is. He's a healthy guy, obviously takes care of himself. And the biggest thing is, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to know everything about this, but they say that if you're heavy set, you're more likely to be affected by it. So right. like guys like your boy, Mike Leach, like if he were to get it, it could get a little scary. But I think a guy like uh, Nick Saban, you know, probably kick it. Okay. Can I say I love Mike Leach? And if Mike Leach ever listens to this, I want to sit down with you and talk about aliens and life and pirates. He's really not that heavy set. Like he fluctuates a little bit. There's times where he's really skinny looking, and then there's times in he's my not. head I'm picturing like the biggest I've seen Mike Leach. I I know what you're saying. There are times where he's thin way out, but anyway. When so, I when I heard Saban had it, I was like, "Of course he does. He's wearing that stupid mask that doesn't stop anything." And whatever. And then it ended up being a false positive. Well, he they said he was asymptomatic, and so he has no symptoms. So this is where I get confused. He he tested positive what Monday, Sunday, or Monday? Yeah. Monday. And then, then there, there was reports that he was asymptomatic, so he was doing well because he's not showing any symptoms. And they said that's why he's more dangerous because he's asymptomatic. Yeah. Well, then it turned into, oh, they claim it's asymptomatic, false positive. And I said, well, what do you mean? And I don't know. I don't get it. It's That's above my pay rate of... No, here's the, here's the deal. So he was... He tested positive, and these tests do have a certain rate that's allowable, but like, hey, every once in a while, this is going to blow positive, and it's not really positive. Okay, so then he quarantined and then had three days with 24 hours in between each test where he tested three separate times, and they all came back negative. So that's what you have to do to prove that that initial positive was a false positive. Right. I just I just saw asymptomatic first. And I was like, okay, well, at least he's not showing symptoms. He'll be back next week is what I thought. Yeah. But then they were like asymptomatic, false positive. So I'm like, to me, it's one or the other. It's a false positive. He doesn't have it at all. Or it's asymptomatic. Yeah, I don't understand that wording at all. But yeah, anyway, so my question was to you when you saw that, and I saw it, I was reading reports how this be the reason why Alabama doesn't win. But then I saw well, Alabama's a well-oiled machine. 
So you had Steve Sharkeesian, who has had head coach experience. He's been in the yeah. NFL. He's going to run it just fine. But one thing that was interesting was they said, well, you're going to miss that defensive adjustments from Nick Saban, and you're going to miss those game-time decisions without a Nick Saban. But there was rumors they were going to set up a Zoom, and he was going to watch the game and tell them from home like yeah. what to do. Um, so when you heard that, did you think Alabama was going to lose, or you're like, this is the only way they're going to lose if he wasn't there? To me, if Nick Saban's not there – Alabama does not look as good in the second half. Right. Right. Like they don't make adjustments to stop Georgia. Right. I agree. So I do think that the end of that game probably would have been a heck of a lot different if Nick Saban wasn't there. I also think if Nick Saban wasn't there and they lost, he might have died. Like I, yeah. He, he would have had a heart attack and probably not made it back. Like, we've seen him mad before. If they would have lost, we never would have seen him mad, more mad. He would have died on the podium. Oh, hell, he was mad and when they won. The game was over, and he was mad. Well, that's kind of where my respect factor comes in sometimes for him because he, if you read his books or read anything, he wants to win. Don't get me wrong. He, deep down, he wants to win. It's for him, it's how you win. So if you win the game, but it was sloppy, you're not trusting the process, you're not doing what they ask, he will get mad. Oh yeah. Because it's about the process. And he he worries about the result. He'll I don't care what people say. He's gonna sit there and say, Oh, it's not about the result, it's about the process. He cares about the result. But that's where he gets mad. Now sometimes when you're up by 30 or 40 and on our eyes, we're like, what are you mad about? But the, I think his idea is like the second you start to half-ass things, like even though it's small and you're winning, that kind of attitude leads to losses. Mm -hmm. so like not following the process leads to bad results. Um, right. So when I first saw that, I said, okay, they may not win because Nick Saban won't be there. But they're in good hands. But like you said, it might have been a closer game. It might have been, I don't know, 27-24 instead or something. Um, but I will say how the game started was crazy. Um, interception by Alabama right off the bat. And then an interception right back. Interception by Georgia first, right? Yeah, Georgia, yeah Alabama threw the, threw the interception. And then Georgia's bent it through right off. Alabama's defense is the best at jumping and blocking on the. They're they have to be like six six, right? Oh They're yes, right. They're if not huge. taller, because Stetson Bennett is six five. Like he's tall, and he yeah. was getting balls batted down. Like, I will say what helped what helped Alabama this week was not seeing an up tempo offense. Because that's the thing. Alabama and Nick Saban, Nick Saban will be the first to tell you this. They struggle against an up-tempo offense. Now they'll win. They still win, but they struggle. When you line up and try to play them like what Georgia did, you give Alabama time to adapt and adjust. Because Bennett, I'm looking at right here, 18 of 40 for 269 yards and two touchdowns. That sounds great, but then three interceptions. Yes. Yeah. So 
you allowed Alabama to, to to play you. And so Alabama needed this game, like a team to slow it down for them, for them to adjust. Mm-hmm. And then their offense, good, good, goodness gracious almighty. Uh, Jones was 24, 32, 417 yards, four touchdowns. Now he had the one interception, which that hit the ground. I'm going to go to my grave saying yeah, that hit the ground. That was not an interception. Um, Harris for them for rushing, he looks like, um, oh my goodness, not Derrick Henry. It was another quarterback they had. Um, Mark Ingram. No. Uh, oh, why it, are you the one that went to the NFL and got fat? No. Oh, yeah. 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 He looks like him and Eddie runs Lacey. like Derrick Henry. Okay. Eddie Lacy was the one that got fat. Remember? I had to do CrossFit. Yeah. Um, okay. My question is, who is more important to that team? Mac Jones or Najee Harris? See, that's a good question. Because a part of me wants to say Jones, because they're more focused on passing the ball this year, it looks like. The only reason why Harris has all those yards because he gets huge runs. But he ran the ball 31 times last night. Yeah. So right now I want to say it's Harris. At the beginning of the year, like a couple games ago, I said it was Jones. Now I'm going to say it's Harris because now they're going to be looking at him. And Jones is going to be able to pass the ball way better. Yeah. Um, Because, like, you, we talk about Alabama's made this big change in the last couple years where, like, they're a passing attack now. But the heart and soul of that offense is still, like, we have an all-world college running back and can still punch you in the mouth repeatedly with him until you submit. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Which is like what Georgia wants to do, and really the only way Georgia wins games is doing that. The nice thing about Alabama is they can shift gears and be like, okay, we're going to go spread concept and air the ball out. Well, that's that's why this Alabama is one of the most dangerous we've ever seen on offense because you got Jones who's going to throw it for 417 yards. Then you have Harris who's going to run for 152 yards. But the reason why you're able to do the passing attack, Smith, for them, had 167 yards receiving. And then how do you say his name? Waddle or Waddle, whatever. 161 yards receiving. So, like I said, these are not the best wide receivers that's ever come through Alabama, but these are the best wide receivers together at one time 
I think, with speed, with their speed. That's what saves them. Jones is throwing the ball perfectly. Like you're either gonna, you want to overthrow him. If you're going to throw the deep ball or a corner, you throw it to where the defender cannot touch it. So if it's out of bounds, out of bounds. If it's off the guy's fingertips, that's where you want it. These guys are so freaking fast that they get there. So yeah. he is so comfortable doing that. And and can we talk about? I don't know if you want remember the whole game. They ran that um, tunnel screen. That fake bubble screen and that tunnel screen, that was sexy. I'm stealing that. I wrote it down. That was one of the most the coolest play designs I've ever seen. Cause like I would never have I thought that guy was a blocker. Yeah, the, when they were doing that and I saw him turn to go throw it, I was like, oh my God, this is gonna get blown up because I already saw the defenders coming. Yeah. And I was like, this can get blown up. Because there's what I do. I usually I usually watch the box and I can tell what's going on by the box. I didn't. I was watching that, and I was like, he's going to get blown up. And then all of a sudden, I saw the other guy just come back. I was like, ooh. And then I saw the offensive lineman. I was like, ooh. And I'm like, okay, Sarkeesian, you're not going to pull an Atlanta Falcons. And See, okay, this is what I was talking about with Notre Dame. Okay? It's really obvious that the last couple weeks, Alabama had to have run that exact bubble screen once or twice, and they were like, I know Georgia's going to blow this up, so let's make a variation of it that is going to be successful. Right, and they didn't wait till later on. They were like, this is Georgia. We have to do it now. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the point of this is – I hate Notre Dame so much – but the point of them not opening their playbook up and actually running plays because they're worried about Clemson down the road. No, run your plays that are successful. And then if you're worth half a damn as an offensive coordinator, like create a variation of that play for Clemson. Right? Right. And that's, we're on the same page. Like, especially because I love offense. And this is a Mike Leach thing, too. And I know I keep going back to Mike Leach, but he has good ways of thinking. He goes, why are you saving stuff for later? Run it, make those defensive guys look at it, then you get a variation later on. Just a tag. That is a simple thing. Instead of calling it a bubble screen, you're just motioning that guy and just saying, they say no stuff in. But I guarantee you that play call was something along the lines of H move or H motion. Um fake bubble tunnel or something. So he goes, we're going to fake the bubble and run this tunnel screen instead. And that's how simple things can be. Um, yeah. And now what, what are we going to see later on? They're going to run that again. They have a fake receivers go to block. Sorry, guys, I think I jumped. I jumped there. But you're going to see a variation of that play again later on. Oh, 100%. So Notre Dame better because, take some notes. Yeah. Um, my other big question about this game is, to me, Stetson Bennett came back down to earth. Like, he was playing above his head a little bit the last couple weeks, and they were winning games because Georgia was physically better than the other teams. You have to go to your other quarterback now, right? That dude from USC? 
Because uh, I think you've seen, uh, you've seen peak Stetson Bennett, and it wasn't enough. Uh, no. You give him... I don't know. I feel like you give him another chance because this... I'm not trying to make excuses. It's Alabama. Okay, but if you're Georgia, Alabama's your boogeyman. Where it's like, we can be the second best team in the SEC. We're just never going to do anything to put us over the top. Or, because this kid was playing really well. Now all of a sudden you want to take him out. See, Costello is a different story. Costello's been doing this for three weeks. So that's a little different. This kid does this for another game. Then, yes, then you go back and say, let's put this other guy in. So here's my... Backup's a scrub. But here's my answer to that, too, from a coach. Go about practice this week. If if this Alabama game really affected him that much in practice, he's not going to look good in practice. Then you could say, okay, let's go to him. Or do you try the next game and say, let's get him confident so when we get into the playoff, maybe we play Alabama again, and you're and he's he's got more confidence. So it's a it's a hairy situation, but yeah. those are the way I'd go about it. But again, like we don't know Stetson Bennett personally obviously but is it a question of confidence because I, I, watching him i didn't see his confidence really waver i think it's a question of skill and but i, I mean, don't think Stetson bennett has what you want to get you over the alabama hump so why not rip the band-aid off and put a kid in there that might have a little more arm talent and because you- he because he looked good for the previous three weeks, so you can't just sit there and say, "Well, this one game." Second half, but it's Alabama. They just didn't adjust well. It could have been the Chicago Bears. Like you have to. I don't know. To me, if this it makes kid's- no sense to continue to roll with this dude. If you watched Alabama spank his ass for an entire half of football. And then they played him once. You know what's going to happen when Alabama plays him again? But that's where you can't. If that's how young is Ben? Is he pretty young? No, he's a senior. Is he a senior? Yeah. I don't know because I keep comparing to Costello, where you play this way for two or three weeks, you're done. We're going to go with someone else. He played very well the first three weeks. And then all of a sudden you play the team that's probably going to win the national championship. And you kept it close the first half. And you come out the second half. Now, I give credit to Alabama. That was more adjustment. So I kind of blame Kirby Smart and them. You should have adjusted better. For a counter adjustment, which they didn't do. Right, so I can't put it all on the kid. It has to go on the coaches, too. Like, you did – players win games and coaches lose them. And so you did not adjust very well. Like, if he's throwing interceptions, why is he throwing interceptions? Let's change the game plan. Or, like, let's adjust. But that's why Nick Saban is huge on that defense at halftime. Nick Saban is not the defensive coordinator, but you best believe he's making adjustments. I think – if you're going to go in there and beat Bama, you almost have to show up as Team A and then go into the second half as Team B with a completely different game plan. 
even if Team A thing worked, it, like it worked for Georgia really well in the first half. But Georgia might have won that game. Can't believe I'm going to say this. If they came out and just air raid, up tempo air raid in the second half. But what sucks is again, that's not what they do. So I know that's not what they do, and that's why Georgia is never going to beat Alabama. They're not. No, if Georgia Georgia needs to get away from this pro style offense, it works until you play Alabama. And that's really probably the only team in the NCAA that it will just not work against. They need so here's what Kirby Smart needs to do, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Kirby Smart worked for Nick Saban. Now Nick Saban's 22 and 0 against former. He's going to former says that he has to coach again next week against Pruitt. Like almost every week he has to go yeah. against. Dabo Swinney said this years ago. We cannot recruit to win the ACC. We have to recruit to beat Alabama and adjust. Kirby Smart needs to recruit and adjust to say, how do we beat Alabama? Not saying you overlook the rest of the SEC, but they need this. I'm not saying they go air raid, but I think they just can't do this pro style stuff much longer. No. They need to be able to sit there and go, we're going to go spread. Go to Alabama. Alabama's not pro style anymore. They're a spread. But they're going to run the ball. If you, look at, if you look at it before they made the change with their offense, like Alabama was susceptible to this same shit, where it's mm-hmm. like if you find a team, which there aren't very many, but if you find another team that can be as physically imposing as you, pro style offense doesn't work anymore. Right. And they made that, it was right before the college football playoff thing came about because. They were under center, eye formation, double tight, and it worked back then. And then yeah. and Nick Saban hated the change. I know he did. Anything you read about him, he wants to run the ball at you. He wants double tight ends, like whatever. And then Lane Kiffin comes along and kind of changes that. And Nick Saban, it, he made that adjustment, and Kirby Smart's going to have to make that decision. Um, you might love this pro style. You might love having your two running backs. You could do that with your spread. You could do the same thing. But at least you're putting yourself in a situation to say, now we're going to be Bama. Yeah. Now we're going to take these freak athletes that Georgia has and put them out in space where they can function. Because they – and I think Kirby Smart, they keep recruiting for defense. They can Maybe that's what we'll do. If we have a defense, control Bama, control whoever – then our pro-style offense can keep us in the game, which was true the first half. It works. Now you yeah. have to adjust. till your offense starts costing you points. Right. Which is what happened. And last, I've, I've one more thing to say, and we are way over time again, so we got to be better at this. Why in the hell do people keep hiring Alabama cast-offs? Because it's the same thing like the NFL. NFL is worse. Those Bill Belichick coaching trees don't work at all. No. Andy Reid coaching tree, maybe. And that's what I want to know that these Belichick – what do Belichick's offensive coaches do? If I was a Belichick assistant, I would be a fly on a wall and take everything I could and mimic it 
So I don't know what happens. Do they just not really like the way he does it? And then they go off and say, well, I'm going to do this. And then you go. But like, I think Belichick's defensive guys are worse consistently. Look at Matt Patricia. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. He'd be a good just defensive coordinator, but being a head coach is just not what is going to work. And I think part of what, like, I know Nick Saban allows, like, fired coaches to come in and, like, hey, sit with us, come in, learn how Alabama does their stuff. Like, you're not technically hired, but you can just hang out for a while. I know he does that. But does part of you think, like, Saban's figured out, like, I'm going to bring these guys in that are flawed, like, drastically flawed as head coaches, let them sit in here for a year or two, and then Tennessee's going to hire him, and I won't have to worry about beating Tennessee for the next five years? I really don't know if Nick Saban looks at it that way. Um, I mean, I would because it's working. And how? what percentage of the SEC right now is Nick Saban coaches? A lot. And I was trying to think. Jimbo Fisher is a disciple. He was calling offense for him before. He did okay at Florida State. Now it's just kind of falling apart. The most successful one that I can think of, and somebody out there will correct me one day, is Kirby Smart. Yeah. The only teams he loses to is Alabama and uh, just a random maybe LSU or something. But here's the thing, like, obviously these guys are not going to beat Nick Saban because they all want to do a version of what Nick Saban does. But it's like Walmart brand Alabama. Like, that's what they're trying to turn the school into. Why not go out of left field and hire a guy like Mike Leach? Like, that's why I loved that hiring so much, because it's like, well, this isn't the traditional SEC bullshit Nick Saban send-off coach. We're going to zig where everyone else zags and maybe hire a guy that makes us competitive. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I hope. I really don't know. And that's a conversation of like, you're just recycling coaches. You're just doing this and doing that, or you need some fresh blood. And, but realistically, if you looked at it, when Nick Saban first got to Alabama, a lot of his assistants didn't leave right away. It's all of a sudden the past like five or six years. Yeah. And I think they're just kind of hoping that they'll turn into Nick Saban. But I got to give Nick Saban some credit. The past two or three years, his entire staff leaving and have to get them back, like a whole new staff, and they just don't miss a beat. Not at all. Like, look at what's happening to LSU now. That happens to Alabama every year. And they don't miss a beat. Yeah, they missed a beat last year, and they were still, what, a two-loss football team? Yeah, you lose your you lose your NFL quarterback, and you're still right there. Yeah, like that is the testament to what Nick Saban is. Yep. Okay. All right. We have- All right. So we went over. So the first one time we ever did this it was like two hours and ten minutes. The last one was like an hour and fifteen. Now we're an hour and twenty nine. So we're getting we're okay. So. Figure- so here's where we'll go for next week. 
and I know Brad wrote it down. I wrote it down. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. One game we're going to talk about, and depending how long we talk about it, is Illinois. We are Illinois fans. We're either going to have an actual conversation or it's going to be a sad a sad minute. <laughs> Illinois sadness minute. It'd be an Illinois sadness minute. So Illinois plays Wisconsin Friday. That'll be a game we talk about. Um, I don't know who will win this game. I really don't. I think Wisconsin will, but I don't even don't want to pick a winner or a loser. Yeah. So we'll move on. So another one we'll talk about because the Big Ten's coming back is Nebraska and Ohio State. Scott Frost, I don't know if he's on the hot seat, but he's got to turn it around quick. He did it at UCF. Now he's at Nebraska. But he's got to realize Nebraska is going to be that team where he has to run the ball. That's just what it is. I think Ohio State comes out and says we're Ohio State still. And I hate Ohio State. Yeah, I I hate agreeing with you, but Ohio State wins this game. They'd probably win it big. Because Fields, is that their quarterback? He's good. Yeah. He, he's pretty good. Um, another big – Another Big Ten that I'm looking forward to this one is Michigan and Minnesota. People are all over Minnesota because of last year and P.J. Fleck. I think he's a good coach, but I never trust a guy wearing a tie coaching a football game. That's just my rule. Yep. I think we're going to pick the same team, but we'll find out. I got to go with Harbaugh and Michigan. But I will think it's going to be closer than we all think. Nope. Minnesota. Row the boat. Yeah. That was me rolling the boat. If you show up with a paddle next week, I'm going to lose it. I have one. I'll bring it in if they win. So I'm going to go with Michigan in the big house. I don't know where they're playing at. I think it's at Minnesota. Houston and Navy, story of two different offenses. Houston has the air raid 2.0 or 3.0 where they run up tempo and this and that against Navy. Navy squeaked away against. East Carolina, 27 to 24 or something. Um, I think Houston gets mad and comes back and wins the game. So I'm going to go with Houston. I'm going to go Houston too. I I can only be wrong so many times. So I'm hoping eventually they swing back and Houston has good game here. Then the next one, we just – we're not going to have as many games. There's not a lot of good games. I mean, they're all good games, but there's not as many, like, these huge games like Bama and Georgia. Auburn and Ole Miss. Auburn lost a heartbreaker there to South Carolina. Bo Nix did not play very well. I think Gus is going to take over play calling from Chad Morris one day. Old Miss lost to Arkansas, which I was shocked because they did not look the same. I think they are heartbroken from the Alabama game. Yeah. This one's tough. It's a tough one. You go first. I have to think. I I have a personal aversion to ever picking Auburn for anything. So I'm going to take Old Miss. I think they can't look as bad as they looked this week again. And I a Lane Kiffin team, I think, performs better than this. So – I'm going to take Ole Miss. I was going to take Ole Miss, but since you did, to keep it interesting, I'm going to take Auburn. But I think it's going to be a closer game than 
what it could be. Or it could be us. Is, a, a, is Auburn still ranked next week? They will be just because they were um, preseason. I mean, what were they, 12 or something? Yeah. I think they still. Because they were 18, 15. I think they still end up being ranked. But if they lose yeah. to Ole Miss, they're done. They're not going to be. Especially with the Big Ten coming back. You That's know, a few things I think you and I got right from our first week doing this is Bo Nix is not really a good quarterback. No, like he had some good flashes last year, and then now it just he's fallen apart a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Last one. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep it on schedule, Steve. We're behind the distance right now. I think that was all we had besides Illinois, Wisconsin. We um, said we we're going to keep an eye on OU, TCU. Oh yeah, they will keep an eye on Oklahoma and TCU. Um, they both had the week off, so I don't know if that was good for Oklahoma. I'm going with TCU because I think TCU is going to come out with a game plan of we're going to run the ball, run with our quarterback, and keep it away from Oklahoma. And they're going to try to keep Oklahoma in front of them with the four two five. So I'm going to go with TCU. And I will pick OU. I I think the Texas game may have been a turning point for them. I would agree with you if they didn't have this week off. Yeah, it's kind of rough to get like a signature win, get your season started, and then have to take a week off. But Lincoln Riley is a good coach, and two weeks to prepare for TCU, I think he'll come out on top. So there's our picks, and then we'll just add the Illinois game, Wisconsin, but we won't pick. That'll be happy hour, happy minute, or sad minute. Sadness minute, more likely. So, all right. Um, well, that. What? What else? Okay, good talk. This is really good radio, Steve. We're really good at this. Yeah, we had a guy comment, James Lill. Yeah, and he said, "Fuck North Carolina! I lost money on them." <laughs> I mean, we didn't even bring them up, but yeah. So James Lowe, I don't know who you are. Thanks for leaving the first comment. I uh, I feel that though. That was rough. Also, a good game. I wish we could have talked about it because this is one of the best interceptions I've ever seen by that D lineman. But uh, if you didn't see it, go watch the highlights. It's a great game. And Florida State plays Louisville. That might not be a bad game, actually. Florida State's new quarterback seems really competent. Well, it's funny, guys. Brad texted me, and I said, I'm not going to watch that because Florida State sucks. And then I'm watching the Bama-Georgia game, and they come up, and they were like, oh, Florida State's up 21 nothing." And I was like, what? And then almost imploded. But I was not going to leave my – 31-7 and then gave it away. I was not going to leave my Bama game, though. Yeah, no. All um, right. So, guys out there that listened, thanks or watched it at some. If you watch it at some point, great. If you watch it now, great. Whatever. Uh, if you listen to it later on, great. I don't. It doesn't matter. Um, thanks for listening. Stay safe. We're gonna try to do it again next weekend. Tune in. We'll see. Mary. 
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.